Hello, friends, and welcome to episode number 132 of Bad Flips and Maple Dips. It is Patrick here in Halifax, Nova Scotia. He is Justin, the Professor Anderson in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. I don't know why I do the S's like that. <laughs> uh, Justin, how you doing? How's your weekend? Um, my weekend was great. I didn't really do anything. We tried to go to the beach yesterday, uh, but it was super cloudy, so we didn't stay very long. It was it was yeah. hot though. It was like 28. It is uh, 32 yeah. again today. So as soon as I finished work and got on this mic, I took off my pants and took off my shirt, and I'm currently sitting in my underwear. <laughs> I don't um, know if that's something that hey, I needed to know, but I'm trying to get us listens. Uh, you can check out my OnlyFans. I don't know what what the link <laughs> is, but <laughs> you can watch me podcast in my underwear. That's oh. my. I'm sure there's there's probably people who like that out there. Pro- oh, probably. There's Maybe that's how we can monetize. We can just have me in my underwear on video. Um, <laughs> uh, hard pass for me, but yeah, I'm, there's there's a market out there for uh, that. I'm not a very good looking specimen when I'm. <laughs> oh, stop it! I have very um, hairy. Um, anyway, that's that's what I'm doing right now. <laughs> you know, how was what? your weekend, my, Patrick? My, my weekend was pretty chill. What did I do? You didn't, didn't sleep, apparently, as you told me in our, I our Facebook chat. I didn't sleep because I was playing a lot of Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. That was fun. Nice. Uh, I had tacos. Oh, Friday I had a picnic. Nice. Uh, like at home. Because yeah. uh, outside you know. is death. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we, we uh, both have our COVID, our first COVID shot now, right? Or do you have yours yet? Nope. Mine, oh. mine is scheduled. You're scheduled. Okay. I don't get my jab until uh, a couple, couple Saturdays, two I'm Saturdays. A, I'm a now. proud member of the Pfizer fam. Got mine last Thursday evening. So yeah, I think mine's Pfizer too. Pfizer. Yeah. Um. So I had a picnic Friday. Uh, I watched this show called Yellowstone. Very good, Sarah. right? I like it. We're, we've watched about four episodes, I think, Taryn and I. Yeah, we're, that's about where we are. Uh, I don't want to spoil anything, but they discovered dinosaur bones, and yeah. I became very invested in that, and then it became a side thing that was just like pushed off, and I was like, this show could have hooked me so hard if it had <laughs> done like a, a hard right turn, and we're like, yep, we're just doing dinosaurs now. Um, but they didn't do that. Uh, instead, it's just political intrigue in relation to a ranch and Montana geopolitics. So, yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, and then Saturday, I had tacos. Did I have tacos? Yeah, I had tacos. And then we watched more Yellowstone, I think. And uh, Sunday, I watched the ball game. And then, yeah, Zelda. Yeah, Friday night because we're we're doing our Marvel rewatch right now. We kind of got distracted from Yellowstone by by Marvel, so we watched um, Winter Soldier on Friday. Great movie, and then we watched Great both. Movie. We watched both movie. Guardians movies on Saturday. <laughs> I think I that's good because you can you you don't have there's nothing that connects the Guardians movies from the other movies no. until you hit Infinity War, so you can watch them one after another. And there's literally no, whenever, yeah, yeah, you don't lose anything. Um, I think Winter Soldier is the best Marvel movie. It. I like Civil War more than Winter Soldier, but I, really? I, I, but Winter Soldier is also very good. The thing I don't like about Civil War is that there, there's way too many characters getting shoehorned into it. It's basically an Avengers movie, but it's missing Thor and it's missing uh, Bruce Banner, which sucks. Right. But er- everybody else is there. Uh, and then we get Spidey and we get Black Panther. 
Um, yeah. And I like that a lot. It just felt like there was just, it could have been like a four hour movie. There's a lot. Yeah. So There's we're going to be lot. watching Age of Ultron uh, maybe tonight. I don't know what, what Taron has planned, yeah. but. Yeah. Age of Ultron is, is Winter the Soldier worst is Avengers good... movie. It is. It's definitely the worst. The best is probably Infinity War. I like yes. Endgame a lot. I liked Endgame a lot. But I would go, my rankings of the Avenger movies, if we don't count Civil War, would be Infinity War, first place. Second place, the first Avengers. Uh, third place would be Endgame. And then, and then fourth place would be Ultron. Infinity. Yeah. And I can't oh. imagine anything toppling Infinity War. The stakes, the stakes were at an all-time high. The stakes were well done. Yeah, um. they were. Like, in the movie, <laughs> I was... Like, the, that ending... Like it just it sucked the soul clean out of my body, and then you had to wait like two, a year to. It took me like two days <laughs> to recover from watching Infinity War the first time. I was so invested, I was screaming in the theater, especially that one particular scene when Thor smacks down into the middle of the battle like a that was pretty cool drop in character of of a Mamorpaga <laughs> and MMO. I <laughs> uh, just like drops into the field and just. Like started decimating people. people. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was a thing of beauty. You'll it reminded me it. of like a Lord of the Rings game when you just roll in with Aragorn and just decimate entire armies by yourself. Oh yeah, those old ones, the EA ones for yeah. like PlayStation Two. And you, yeah, I played yeah. Uh, Return of the King on GameCube, and then that I have so many hours of gameplay on that. I wish it yeah. tracked because it would probably be hundreds of hours. Once you, anyway, <laughs> once you get to like with that, uh, the last thing I'll say about that about all this, we'll get into baseball. Um, with the with those games, the Lord of the Rings ones. Once you got like the the level ten combo, which was just you press X four times. Yeah, you're, it was all over. You could or, you could do whatever you wanted to anybody yeah. in that game. You or you had uh, Legolas's like what was it, Mithril arrows, and you could like shoot through like four people at once or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. GG. <laughs> I like I like using Faramir and just spamming the XX combo and just yeah, that's a good absolutely one. Absolutely wrecking face. Anyway, cure. Tell us yeah. where we can, where the people can tell people where they can find us. Well, uh, if you're interested speak. in all things nerd like, uh, but also baseball, you can check <laughs> us out at BFMD Podcast. Uh, we're on Anchor, Apple, Spotify, Google, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Stitcher, TuneIn, and a whole lot more. You can check us out. Uh, send us a question. BFMDPodcast.com. Send us a question. Damn it. Send yeah. us a question. So. I want to get the. I want to do the results first today. I'm doing an audible on Patrick because I want to talk about lots right. of stuff after results. Okay. Um, the Blue Jays won two to three against the Phillies. That's what we got in. Darn right we did. Darn right we did. Sorry, Jack, uh, Fritz. We uh, we put a whooping on your Phillies. We sure did. Um, and unfortunately, though, the bullpen showed some cracks in this series, Patrick Marsh. Uh, I didn't want to bring it up, but since you are, I'm okay to go in on them. Uh, yeah, a little let, bit anyway. Let's right. let's talk bullpen. Um, starting pitching was was solid. We had Steven Matz. He went five innings. He didn't give up a run. Four hits, three walks, but struck out nine. It was a, a nice rebound for him. Um, the he other starting pitchers, start. Anthony K. In game two, a a great start from Anthony K. One hit, two walks. The first thing was a little bit dicey because he hit a batter uh, and walked a guy, but. Uh, he, he he got around it, struck out six over four scoreless innings. And then is, in... Hold on. Go ahead. We, I, I, I got to get in on this. 
I'm an Anthony K fan. I like Anthony K. Um, I don't know if he has the longevity right now, or like he has the endurance to do a quality start. Um, but why didn't he come out for the fifth? Was it because they just didn't want? Uh, I think it was a, a, third time? a third time of the order thing. Yeah, hundred percent. See, hundred percent. Take chances. They did the same thing. Like uh, if you look at Robbie Ray's ERA when he faces the lineup for the third time, it's like seven point two something. Yeah. It's really bad, and we gotta we have to push these starters. I know at that time in the game, it was three nothing, and it was still like very tentative. Yeah. Um, because the Phillies were still getting hits. Um. I just I don't understand. We gotta stretch these guys out, because otherwise our bullpen is going to get tired, and we saw it happen, uh, with Tim Mesa. Yeah, Tim Meza has had like what four or five brutal starts in a brutal outings in a row now. I think it's four. Yeah. At least four, where he's given up runs. Um, it sucks. His ERA is up to seven fifteen after being below after being at a zero for a long time. Um, but yeah, the the last start of the series was Robbie Ray, and like you mentioned, yeah, he cruised into the fifth inning, and then the home run ball started happening. Uh, he gave up seven hits, three of them home runs, four earned runs, only walked one. Broke that long streak that he had and struck out nine again. It was Robbie Ray's first walk since his first start of the season. He had been credited with a walk against the the Braves last week, but it was actually a hit by pitch on Freddie Freeman. The ball hit his jersey, so they they fixed yeah. that afterwards. Um, but he went like 110 batters or something without a walk, which was the second longest active streak of the season. I think uh, they said Garrett Cole is over like 150 or something. He doesn't walk anybody, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, it, that third this, time through the order is where they got to him, Patrick. And I, I, I disagree with you. I don't think we need to push these starters. I think if, if, if we have the, the data and the data shows that the third time through the order, teams figure out the starting pitcher. Now it's a, both a mixture of fatigue as well as just seeing a guy for the third time. You know what he's trying to do to you because he's trying to do it to you twice in the game already. And good hitters are going to make those adjustments in game. This is why you don't see, uh, in, in a normal year, we've seen a lot of no-hitters this year, but this is why you don't see a lot of no-hitters traditionally is because hitters are going to figure you out. They're going to find a way to get on base. They're going to find a, they're going to sit on a pitch in a certain spot that third time through, and if they find it, yeah. if they get it, they're going to hit a home run, and the Phillies did that three times off of it Robbie Ray. mentioned in the broadcast how Ray was – we were – we got to the fifth inning and the Jays were already up eight, nothing. Yeah. And, and Ray was still attacking the zone, like the yeah. strike zone. He was very aggressive. Yeah. Uh, probably because he was riding the momentum. He had, you know, then there's nothing wrong with being aggressive in that situation. Yeah. No, you don't not want to let him back into the but, game, but it kind of backfired uh, a little bit. Yes. And <laughs> uh, that it was, this was not a control issue. He was pelted for home runs because he was chucking. He was throwing strikes. <laughs> Yeah, he was throwing strikes, and some of them were meatballs, and mm-hmm. they got taken. But the thing is, I think all three of his home runs were solo shots. That's there correct. Was nothing. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're going to give up home runs, that's cool. It's still really concerning, though. Um, I don't consider this a good start, but I also don't consider it – like, if if we were – if we hadn't scored any runs, this would be a bad start. Right. Yeah. We also had eight, so we have to kind of look at it like, yeah, the walks are down because his control, he has his control 
locked in. He's dialed in right now. Yeah. Uh, but he was throwing meatballs, and you can't do that even if you're up eight nothing. I understand no. the the strategy of it, but it it didn't work. And then of course it's so frustrating to say this to Tim Meza, uh, with his second uh, difficult outing in three nights. Um, yeah. At what point I I don't want to say this, but I'm going to say it. At what point do you say, all right, you're off to a good start. You've been a little bit rough lately. We need you to turn this around. Oh, it'll be in Buffalo. <laughs> otherwise, you might end up needing a trip to Buffalo, the organization, not the city. <laughs> yeah. How close um, are we to see? I think we're very close, honestly. I, I he it is four four outings in a row that he's given up runs. And he's been giving up hits, he's been walking people. Um it's not ideal. And nope. yeah, he had two against the Phillies, one against Atlanta and one against Houston that he absolutely imploded. So four. Um and yeah, it, it hasn't been good. Because you look at you look at everybody else. Yes, yesterday uh Romano and Beasley also gave up runs too. It seemed like everybody was going to give up runs yesterday. Only Payams managed to get away unscathed. But the rest of the series, it was Meza twice, Thornton once, and then Romano and Beasley who gave up runs. So I I want to throw a curveball at you here. Uh, let's say you are... Congratulations, you're now Charlie Montoya or whoever it is that's responsible for call-ups. And I guess oh it's Atkins. Uh, congratulations on your promotion. Um, Maze is struggling. Yeah. Meanwhile, let's talk a little bit about the Buffalo pitchers right now. Uh, now, Nick Algeyer was sent down today. Yeah, he could be brought right back up. <laughs> could be brought right back up. Maybe. Uh, Alec Manoa, who we will talk about more and more as the season progresses. Uh, and Connor Overton, also on fire to start the year. Uh, he's started two games and he's appeared in three. He has 12 innings pitched, 12 strikeouts, no earned runs. Uh, so he's right right there with Alec Manoa. Uh, TJ Zoik has been good. Kirby uh, Sneed's been good. Sauce has been good. Uh, yeah. T- Taylor Sacido. Yep. Uh, Brian Baker has been good. Uh, our guy, James Dykstra, has also been good. Yeah, he's in two games for Buffalo now. A couple so of few now, walks, though. <laughs> question is, out of all these guys, who are you bringing up to replace Tim Meza? Oh, God. Uh, if, if he were to get called, or if he were to get the demotion. I, I, I have my answer right now. I'm probably going with uh, Taylor Sacedo, however you say his name. He's got he hasn't walked a guy. He has ten strikeouts. No. That's I like important. it. He's a lefty as well, so you're not losing that lefty. That's advantage. why. <laughs> I'm going off board and going with Connor Overton. Yeah. The reason why is because I don't want to touch Alec Manoa until we know he's like pristine, like he's in like peak. Alec Manoa form. Sure. Connor Overton 
is what 27 yeah he's 27 years old yeah. yeah we need arms we need him now i don't think he has mlb experience um but he is he's white hot right now mm-hmm. white hot yeah i i take a shot taylor cicada is uh also 27 as well too cicada so. Sacedo, I don't know. I'm Sacito. just making sauce. up stuff. Let's call him sauce. Sauce. Sauce dude. Um, <laughs> that being said, too, Dykstra is an interesting arm option as well because he, he throws as hard as Nate does, probably a little bit harder because he's a little bit older. The walks are a little bit up there, um, but he hasn't given up a run. He has had the unfortunate task of bouncing between AA and AAA, so he missed... He probably missed a game or two from bouncing around. Right. Um, what interests me is because Buffalo has been so good. They're eight or nine and three to start the year. We can pull these guys up. I tell you who's not moving. Waggis Pack is definitely not going to move. And Zoik would be like if another starter got hurt. But yeah. I don't see why you don't bring up someone like Overton or like you suggested, Sacedo. And and give them a look. They're not getting any younger, and they're off to a super hot start. And Tim Meza is having some having a hard time. You never want to see this happen to players that you're invested in succeeding. But what do you think? <laughs> yeah, I I mean, you look at our DL right, our fuck, our IL right now, and you see all the guys that are on there, and it's literally our entire bullpen is on the injured list. <laughs> Like, oh my God, you've got, you've got, uh, who we got here? We've got uh, Dolis, Baraki, Mayweather, Castro, Phelps, Hatch, and Murphy all on the IL. How long um, is Baraki on the IL for? It's, it's not, he's on the 10 day, but. Retro to what? Uh, retro to someday. I don't know. I can't remember what day they went I on. I think Sacedo will get the, the call up, but I, you, I don't you think see, Overton is that far Yeah, Dolis, Dolis and Castro are the closest to coming back. Um, they are both throwing bullpens. Merriweather's on the 60 days. He's not coming back till June. Phelps on the 60 day. He's not coming back till June. Hatch is progressing. Hatch is going to be probably late next week. I I would say like two weeks from today, two weekends. He'll be up. Yep. That's good. He's guys, he's he's got to go to Buffalo. He's got to go to Buffalo. They think he can throw three innings. So they're going to send the Buffalo. He'll probably get a couple starts in. They'll see where he's at. Maybe a third start, and then he could potentially join the rotation, either in that Anthony K spot, or potentially in the Stripling spot, depending how Ross's next start goes. But he definitely earned himself another turn, which we'll see him against Boston. Um, anyway, to wrap up the the Phillies series, it was rough from the bullpen. The starting pitching outside of Robbie Ray was was cruising. Right, Ray had the had really one bad inning in the fifth. And that he was great. Um, offensively, the Blue Jays were good after game one. They only managed four hits in game one against uh, Vince Velasquez in the bullpen. Vince Velasquez was great. He looked really good for the Phillies that game. You can't fault yeah. can't fault the Jays there. He was he was mowing them down. He had his changeup working. It was nice, a nice game for him. Uh, games two and three, the Jays struck early. They had one run in the first and two runs in the second in game two, and then they add another one in the eighth and they cruise to a 4 nothing victory. The Phillies had three errors in that game. The Phillies' Patrick had six errors in the series. Oof. 
the Jays had two and they're both in that Sunday game, which almost allowed the Phillies to kind of crawl back into the game. Um, Vladdy had a great series. He hit a home run in every game, including a 465 foot moonshot in Sunday's game that actually basically broke stat cast. They originally had it listed at 401, <laughs> which Ben Wagner was like, no, thank you. That is the lie. Yeah. So he like went after them and they, they revisited it. And yeah, they're like, oh yeah, it was 465, hit it 114.4 miles per hour, like a 26 degree launch angle high um, and deep and gone. There was a meme posted on, on Twitter of Vladdy being a, a freight train and Statcast being a school bus. I hope nobody was on that school bus because the school bus gets destroyed by the train. Yeah. <laughs> because Vladdy breaks Statcast uh, every week. <laughs> Lourdes Guriel Jr. was six for thirteen. Yeah, he, he had a great series. I I sure hope so, and um, we'll see how he how he does. I mean, we've got seven more games at home here. We've got three against Boston and four against Tampa coming up this week. So hopefully Guriel can continue to ride a hot streak in Florida. And then continue that on the road because we're going to be going to New York uh, after the homestand, which is always a fun time before they end I, up in Buffalo. I don't want to put it out into the into the ethos quite yet, but I'm I feel it feels like we are on the cusp of seeing our bullpen completely implode. Um, it is very possible because at the beginning of the season, the starters weren't doing that hot. And it was the bullpen kind of carrying us. Obviously, we were really only down to Ryu and Matt at the start of the year for starting pitching. Um, but now we've got our starting rotation kind of doing well. They're rolling a little bit. Um, this these last two through turns, two, two turns through the rotation, they've been doing really well. Uh, and yeah, it just feels like the bullpen is is kind of. Uh, that early season workload, the Jays have the fourth most used bullpen in baseball, and it seems Oof. like that workload is kind of catching up to us. They were also like fourth lowest ERA, though, I think, still, like a 299, but that was yeah. after yesterday even, I think. So uh, yeah, the bullpen yeah, still... as a whole still doing really well, but suspect in recent games, for sure. The injuries. The are injuries being... are what's... Yeah, our, our bullpen is basically a triple-A bullpen right now. I mean, at least we have Chatwood. At least we have Chatwood. Uh, AJ Cole's looked really good. Romano has been great Romano's since been he came back off the yeah. DL, IL. Fuck me. And Payam, then Bergen's been good. been good. Yeah, Bergen's been, been good, good too. Yeah, it's been really Meza and uh, this Beasley guy who, of course, he's up here because everyone else is hurt. We're giving up runs, and then Thornton had one bad outing. But Thornton, he's been pretty Thornton's good been that. fine too. He only yeah. had one rough outing. It's just, it's just, I think just watching Tim Meza struggle has just been heartbreaking. Right. Um, trivia question for you, Patrick. Which second baseman currently leads the Major League Baseball in uh, wins above replacement right now? Oh, gee, I don't know. Does DJ LeMahieu still play at second base? I'm not sure, but it's not him. It's a guy making $18 million this year, Patrick. $18 million? That's a lot of money. What kind of crazy organization would spend that much money on a one-year deal worth $18 million? <laughs> Well, they're currently not playing in their home ballpark, if that helps you at all. Oh, they must be on the road then. My guess I'll... is going to be the second baseman that plays for the Texas <laughs> Rangers. <laughs> uh, good try. Uh, it's Marcus Semien. Wow. Um, yeah. I'm surprised. <laughs> Absolutely shocking that a good player having a good season is leading, leading his position in war right now. Absolutely shocking. 
Tell me um, more about this Marcus Semin. <laughs> he's Did having he a, have a great year. Hits? During the baseball match on Sunday, he sure did. Was he Patrick, three for five with two home runs. He sure was. <laughs> Let me tell you something about Marcus Semin. When we started this year, I remember when he was hitting like a buck seventy, and he had four home runs and seven RBIs, and I was like, "There's something messed up going on here," because he's still cranking the ball, getting those extra base hits. Perhaps it was a small sample size. Perhaps it was, but per the other half. Here he is now hitting 264, I believe, or something like that. Uh, yeah, uh, 269. And like you said, 269, nice. nice. And he is, like you said, leading Major League Baseball in war for a second baseman. I don't, I'm not a, you know, a math expert. I'm not some scientist nerd guy who sits behind my desk uh, <laughs> and plays with numbers all day. But I'm guessing that it's the league in war which is wins above replacement, you're probably one of the best second basemen in Major League Baseball. Would that be correct? That would be correct, considering that he is also traditionally been a shortstop. He's got high high utility as a free agent coming up this offseason. Let me tell you, the combo of Bichette to Samin to get that double play. It's been silky oh, smooth. It's like... They've been good. It's it's like a good sandwich. You having take one two shortstops like, has, no. has paid off. That's right. Yeah, it's like having two shortstops. <laughs> it's, like it's like they're good defenders. And then you've got another shortstop at third base in Santiago Espinal, who, by the way, is hitting 300 so far on the year, I'd like to add. I don't understand why he's not getting more permanent playing time. <laughs> it's but because we have semi Bichette. That's true. But Espinal can certainly play third, which leaves Kavan as either super utility man, Kavan Biggio, or DH. But why would you DH when Springer comes back? It's probably going to be Guriel, right? Yeah. um, What happens to Kavan Biggio? He plays third base, which he has been doing very well lately. I'm going to throw that out there. He has looked a lot more confident. He's actually zipping the ball over now. I think... He was in his head a little bit at the beginning of the season about trying to be too perfect. And now he's just letting it rip. And I think that's what a player needs to do to get over that. He didn't have the yips, but he definitely was was struggling. Yeah. Um, you sent me a tweet today, Patrick, about Marcus Simeon. And it was from uh, Chris Black at Down to Black on Twitter. Great Twitter handle. Um, before April 21st, he was pulling 67% of the balls that he was hitting and only hitting 174 uh, since then, he has only pulled 50% of the balls and is going up the middle and to the opposite field, including a home run that he hit this weekend, uh, 50% of the time. And since then, hitting 345 with a 400 on base and a 598 slash. So those are MVP numbers since April 21st, which is about three, almost almost four weeks now, really, uh, when you look at the, uh, the the calendar. So over the last month, he's hitting 345. And people were asking why he is in the leadoff spot right now. Those numbers right there are why. He is getting on base. Yes, Kevin Biggio has the second best on base on the team behind Vladimir Guerrero Jr. But Marcus uh, hasn't done anything to get taken out of that leadoff spot in the last month. So let's say he continues this trend and, you know, he finishes or like he continues on. And come July, he's like hitting high 290s, MVP caliber season. But the Jays are out of it. Would you trade him? Oh, 100% I would trade him in a heartbeat. Do you trade him no matter what happens this year? I I almost say yes, but 
it depends what teams offer for him. I think if you're in a position as a Blue Jays, he's he's a he's a player that's probably the best we're going to have at that position this season. Um, and if we're in a position where coming up to the trade deadline where we are maybe leading the division or firmly in the, in the wild card hunt, I don't think you do it. I think you go for it this year. Yeah, I would agree with that. Strip talked about time, it when, when he was on, right? Like this is this is the window is open. He's, he called it year two of a seven year window. So the more years you you don't put your best team on the field, the le- the the shorter that window gets. Okay, say the season ends and regardless of the result, is Marcus Samin on the Jays radar to re sign? Or is it too much money? I th- oh man. Let the man go get paid. I think I think he's gonna get paid. I th- I see him as like um a pretty big name free agent this offseason based on the current numbers anyway. If he could, if he, he keeps this up, he is a 30-year-old shortstop who just took a year to play second base, so he's increased his utility by doing that and is also hitting on the lines of his 2019 fifth place MVP season. Uh, that's recipe for like a $20 million per year over five, four or five years right there. The Jays could afford it. The Jays could. They could do four years at $20 million a I think it really million. depends, Patrick, on how Biggio progresses at third base. I think it really does. Yeah. And it really depends on how Gurriel does because if Gurriel continues to struggle, I know you love him, but he could be a guy that team looks to trade because he's on a very good contract. Yes. He has the potential and he yes. could fetch a couple of good prospects because yes. in that route, you still have Randall Gritchuk. He's less likely to be traded because his contract is a little bit less team friendly. Yeah. Especially now that he's cooling off and becoming real the real Randall Gritchuk again. We haven't um, even seen peak George Springer yet. We're not we even at the part in the year where we've seen, yeah. we will see speak, uh, like peak. George Think about Springer. it this way. If if all things are considered, you have Springer in center field next season you've got teoscar grichik and right and one of the other guys in left field you could have those three guys as your starting outfield that's not a bad outfield if guriel gets going you've got guriel in the outfield and teoscar probably dh's which is the bad keep thing. all four and i'll have I, all four i think as, as long as you can you you keep them yeah i agree with you but as we'll talk about in a second the jays are grooming austin martin to be like a shortstop slash center field utility player so if 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 Austin Martin can play the outfield, then maybe you don't need all four of those guys. Or you have you have Kevin Biggio who can play a corner outfield position. You don't need all four of those guys. That opens the door for a guy like Jordan Groshans to play third base. That opens the door for maybe Biggio to slide back to second base if they don't re-sign Marcus Simeon. And it keeps Boba Shett at, at shortstop. And you, know, so you have Vladdy and Rowdy Telez at first. Definitely Vladdy. And then your catching situation is whoever's healthy, <laughs> really. Either whoever's healthy Jansen, or whoever rises. Kirk, above. depending how Moreno does. If Riley Adams has a good year at AAA, the catching situation is going to be very interesting Reese next spring training. Reese McGuire is not, not of it either. You're right. Especially now that he's back on the 40-man roster. They're going to have to clear him through waivers when Kirk comes back. Unless they want to option Danny Jansen, which Ooh. is a possibility, but I do don't see that happening over Maguire. I can see them nope. putting Maguire through waivers before they option Jansen because of defense and f- pitching staff familiarity and, and quality of game calling. But that's a conversation we can have. 
let's talk about the standings quickly. Yeah, sure. So we're at we're what what are we second place right now in That's the American right. League East? First place in the American League East is the Boston Red Sox at twenty five and seventeen. They happen to be six and four in their last ten, so they're you know they're having they're still playing well. Yeah, they're still playing well. Uh, the Toronto Blue Jays are twenty two and seventeen. So Boston uh, has three wins ahead of us. We have three games in hand, so we're a game and a half back. Yep. We're seven and three in our last ten games, which happens to be the hottest among the AL East. The New York Yankees, who are in action tonight against the Texas Rangers, are twenty two and eighteen. So they have played it a game extra uh, compared to the Blue Jays. They are six and four in their last ten. They are also doing quite well, despite the fact that they have issues with COVID. And right. Giancarlo Stanton just went on the IL again for ten days minimum. For ten days, calf strain or quad strain. We know all I about don't those, don't we? Play them in that ten game period, but it doesn't matter. Uh, yes, we do. We do. I. Th- think i mean look well, we it got up. boston then we've got tampa and that's the next seven days yeah after today. Uh, let me check because I, th- I know we play new york on the road trip okay. um we do While play the yankees that, after tampa bay well you do that i'll continue yeah we the do tampa we bay do Rays. play the tampa we do play the yankees after tampa bay okay hot uh tampa bay rays are 23 and 19 which is fourth place in the the division gives you an idea of uh how yeah it's close <laughs> the competition is so far uh, they are six and four in their last ten, so they're off to a good start. All the AL East teams aren't playing one another, which is why it looks like this. Uh, and in dead last is the Shitbirds, the Baltimore Orioles, seventeen and twenty-three, which even still they're only six games below five hundred. Uh, but they're six and fifteen at home, which is really, yeah, really, really, really bad. That's bad. <laughs> and they're three and seven in their last ten, so they're obviously trending downwards. They're becoming Baltimore again. They're yeah, they're regressing to. The mean. Um, I'm happy. I'm We're very 20% happy. Percent of the way through the season, or a little it, bit more than twenty percent. Very pleased. We're almost a quarter of the way through. Yeah, we're next game we play is game forty, which is basically the quarter way mark. Pretty much. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got some big series up ahead, but how do you feel? Like, if you were to grade the Jays season, just off the cuff. Oh overall, man! Based, based on, on what we, based on everything. Games. Oh yeah. Jesus, we're getting an A plus for being where we are with all the injuries we've dealt with. We've had four games, like three and a half games of George Springer. Um, yeah, we've lost agree. starts from Robbie Ray. We've lost starts from uh, we lost a start from Hunjin Ryu. Nate Pearson was an absolute dud in his only start. Uh, we've had Anthony K and Ross Stripling make up a lot of rotation innings, like. For the the fact that we are five games over five hundred right now is a huge testament to the bullpen and to the offense, as well yeah, as to how the starting ro- the rotation has banded together this last two turns as well as I mentioned earlier. Like the team is playing well, and you just hope that that continues as long as you can because reinforcements are coming. Yeah, when one guy slumps, somebody else is is picking it up. And that, and that somebody else has been Vladimir Guerrero Jr. <laughs> Mostly, yeah, I would say. Marcus Semin is picked yeah, up. Yeah, Bobachet's playing just, well. It, there's just, you go through our lineup and, you and you know, we have at least four or five guys who have an OPS over 800. Yeah. Which means you're basically fielding an all-star team or pretty close to it. Um, what impresses me the most about this team, and I would give them a solid A, um, what impresses me is that we, 
we do see guys who go through bad slumps, but they're getting a lot of encouragement. You see it in between, like there's tons of dugout shots and, you know, Vladdy's having fun and the, the boys are smiling probably because they're winning. Um, yeah. But even if they weren't winning, even if we were at 17 and 22, uh, God forbid, <laughs> I would still give us a solid B given the quantity of injuries. We don't even have our peak lineup right now. This is, we are 22 and 17 without George Springer. Yeah. Think about that for a minute. Yeah. Um, it's, it's impressive. It is very impressive. Let's let's talk about a little bit of news. There's not too much today. Um, we'll save the minor league guys for at the end of this. Uh, the Jays today option Nick Algaier back to AAA. They're going to do a course when I move tomorrow. Um, ben Nicholson Smith says, "Why option out him now instead of just doing it all at once tomorrow?" Seems to me like it's the same reason the Jays placed Barucki on the IL before they had someone take his place. The sooner the Jays option Algaier, the sooner he's eligible to be recalled. There is like a couple day period before a guy can get recalled again. So it seems yeah. that the Jays are maybe saving him for uh, potentially the middle of this next seven games at home. They might need him again for some long relief, depending on how the rotation does. They'll probably bring up um, some sort of short inning reliever, which is why we had that conversation earlier. Um, Atkins pointed to Forrest Wall, who is currently Yay. has a 796 OPS at AAA Buffalo. Remember, he was a guy who came back from Colorado in the Sangwon O trade yep. many moons ago at this point, um, along with Spanberger, who ended up going to uh, Milwaukee for Chase Anderson. Big oof. Um, not yet on the 40-man roster, but Atkins called him an incredible off-roster prospect who could be an elite defensive outfielder. He's doing really well in AAA, so good for him. We need outfielders. Yep. Uh, catching prospect Gabe Moreno is hitting 455 to start the AA season. It's early, but Atkins said that they are impressed by the 21-year-old's approach and just how consistent and mature he has been. I didn't know this, but he was a shortstop, Patrick, until he made him ah. into a catcher. Course he is. So he's still learning the catching position. I think he's only been a catcher for like three years now. So is of he course on the he was 40 a man? He is he is not. Interesting. He's only twenty one. Um so he is not on the forty man yet, but he'll be rule five eligible, I believe, either this winter or it. next. I think he will go on to the forty man after this season for rule five reasons, but we'll have to dive into that later on. If we keep getting injuries to our catchers, he might be he might be there. Later. Although yeah. catching injuries hasn't been an issue except for Kirk. We have enough depth between Maguire and Adams that Mourinho's fifth on the depth chart right now. Yeah. And Maguire's playing good. And Maguire is playing well. Yeah. Uh Tom Hatch, who had the elbow injury, he's in a great spot, according to Atkins. He's up to three innings now and is set to join the Buffalo-Trenton group in the coming days. Barring anything unforeseen, he'll be an option for the Blue Jays' big league team once eligible to return from the 60-day, which is in late May or early June. can't remember exactly what day. Uh, Atkins says that President Mark Shapiro has had consistent dialogue and communications with the Canadian government, uh, already a possible return to Toronto later in the year. The Jays will defer to public health needs, but Atkins said the Jays are encouraged by the communication that has occurred. Um, I want to ask you a question with this in a second, but we've got one more tweet to read here. Uh, as for Nate Pearson, Atkins said that the Jays don't expect him to miss too much time at all. Once back, his priority will be finding rhythm, consistency, and command at AAA Buffalo. Um, on that thought of the Jays potentially returning to Toronto, Patrick, I was talking about this with, with uh, some folks the other day, and 
the season is still has like we're still four and a half months of regular season left. Now we've seen what Canada has been able to do with with vaccinations so far. Do you think there is any chance? And what percentage would you give it that the Jays play a home game in Toronto this season? I would almost rather not answer the question and instead pose the question of whether or not they should play in Toronto. Right. Um, yeah, I... I say a tw- I'm saying a 25% chance. Last week I would have said 15. Last week I would have said uh zero this week i would say five percent yeah you the thing is they need to get government approval yes uh and if they don't have that then it's a non-starter yes and as long as the ontario provincial government being what it is well the federal uh, government has to weigh in too that's right. Uh, but I mean, previously we, we gave a, a, a take that aged like milk when it came to bringing, <laughs> uh, what was going on in Ontario. But I mean, ever since then they've had a surge, but I don't know whether or not things are better or worse because we're all kind of focused on our local areas or not. But we're just trying not to die, man. I know. Like it's, it's 5%, man, at best 5%. And that's okay. It sucks because the Jays don't have home field advantage. But if you look at their record, they kind of do. So I'd rather the boys be able to, you know, have a place they can stay the entire year rather than, well, now we're in Tampa. Well, now we're in Buffalo. But now we're in Toronto. I know the end goal is Toronto. But, uh, and, you know, guys, these guys don't give a shit about Buffalo, the city. I'm sure they like the fans and all that stuff all well and good, but, like, they play for the Toronto Blue Jays. They want to be in Toronto. Yeah. I mean, and there was I mean, an article that came out on The Athletic today about uh, the Raptors season, which finished up, and they played in Tampa Bay as well this season. And yeah, they, they talked no about how hard advantage. it was not having a, like, a, friend, a pro Raptor crowd anywhere all season. Like, anytime, like, a team like the Celtics would come to town. They'd be getting booed in their their home quotation arena. Like it it would be difficult, and obviously they had a, a COVID bout with the Raptor team. So I mean, it's it's hard for these guys, man. Like they have the, like these athletes have homes in Toronto. Um, they've some of their families like have, have called Toronto home for a few years, and then to have to relocate um, due to a pandemic, it it's it's tough. And I mean. A lot of guys, like on the Raptors especially, I'm sure the Jays are the same. Some of the guys stayed in a hotel for two months before they found like a house to rent in the Tampa area. Yeah, the Raptors just completely crumbled. And there oh, and, of... and, you, and you can't blame them this year. Um, no, they dealt with a lot all. of shit. This is a uh, and, the Jays, and the Jays are going through a lot of injuries right now. Not that that has anything to do with where they're playing, of course, but it, it's, it's tough. I mean... The good thing about our team being so young is that a lot of these guys don't have a ton of experience playing in Toronto. Like most of the guys on our team right now have played more games away from Rogers Center than they ever have played there, which yeah. is is pretty crazy. Like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has more games played away from Rogers Center in his career now than he does. Has Ryu, Ryu pitched in Toronto? Yet? He has not. No, because they signed him last year. So like Hunjin Ryu yeah. never pitched in Toronto. Uh, Robbie Ray has never pitched in, as, as a Blue Jay in Toronto. Steven Matz, Ross Stripling, George Springer. These guys have Marcus Semien. They've never played in Toronto. 
I don't, it's all gonna come yeah. to come to an end soon. Joe Panics never played as a Blue Jay in Toronto. <laughs> I know it's, it's super messed up, but, but you know, look at it this way: this is all gonna the, the the pandemic will eventually come to an end. Yeah, you know, you, once you gotta believe that there's a hundred percent chance they play in Toronto at the beginning of next season. Like I'm, oh yeah, Unless I'm willing to say that. It's basically a year. That's that's T-virus ten months from now. Resident Evil. <laughs> Yeah, World War Z or something. The Walking the Dead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's that. Um, let's talk about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Uh, tweet, tweet from John Morosi, who is always like, he's he's very good at spreading the love around the league. He always tweets about all different teams. Um, he says, Vladimir Guerrero has the best OPS plus in the majors this year. Minimum 100 plate appearances among all players 23 and, and younger. Better than Acuna. Better than Tatis and better than Juan Soto. Now, to quantify just how good Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has been, I pulled up the league leaders page on Fangraphs. Now, Vladi has 11 home runs, Patrick. That's He's tied for, for, with four guys at 11. Uh, Jose Ramirez, Rafael Devers, and Freddie Freeman. And then there are four guys, Acuna, Judge, Haniger, and Otani, who have 12. So he's tied for, I guess, fifth in the league right now. Yeah, but he's only one one home one run back away from of being tied for the league lead. Yeah, yeah. Um, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Uh, is also uh, eighth in runs scored with twenty nine. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is is seventh with thirty RBIs. He has walked sixteen percent of the time, which ranks sixteen point one, which puts him at eighth, while striking out only fifteen and a half percent of the time. So he has walked more than he has struck out. Patrick Marsh. He is hitting 319 right now, which puts him 13th in Major League Baseball. His 440 on base percentage is third. <laughs> I'm less worried about his average. I don't care. Like, if it drops 30 points, oh, yeah. he's still going to be a 280 hitter. And he'll I'll be getting on base 410. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah. he's at 440 on base right now. His slugging is 609, uh, which is, uh, again, it's it's fifth or seventh in the league, tied with Bogarts for sixth. Um, his WRC plus Patrick is 188, which is 10 behind the one man ahead of him, who is Michael Fishman Trout, who is at a 198 right now. He is seven ahead of Aaron Judge at a 181, and eight ahead of JD Martinez at a 180. So Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is second in weighted runs created plus, which is like a true stat. He is almost worth two major league players right now. And if you look at his wins above replacement, 2.3, tied with Xander Bogarts for second. Mike Trout is leading the league at 2.4. So Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is like top 10 in, or almost top 5, in basically every important offensive category beyond just the counting stats, the metrics too. It's, he's having a, uh, I guess it's a breakout season, <laughs> that's what you could call it, but it's it's he's got a legitimate case for MVP at this point in the year. It's almost like what would happen if Vladimir Guerrero Sr. had popped to his more pop to his bat. And congratulations, you have Vladimir Guerrero Jr. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's almost super like mess, it's super messed up. Yeah. If you go back and look, when Vladdy Sr. had his breakout seasons, he was cracking 330. 330 as like yeah. a batting average and hitting 30 home runs. It was yeah. ridiculous. He was an amazing ball player, um, and his son is turning out to be much the same. Um, yeah, I wanted to I wanted to put that out there into the world. Uh, we have one last thing to talk about. I know we're doing a long show again today, and I didn't want to because I'm sweating my, you know what off. Um, but 
Baseball America updated their top 100 rankings again this morning. They had done it last week. We had seven prospects in the top 100 because Alec Manoa had cracked it. And this week again, they have updated it because somebody graduated. I don't know who it was, but they have now put Gabriel Mourinho, who we just mentioned earlier, in the top 100. The Blue Jays have the most top 100 prospects in baseball with eight, which is pretty cool. They almost have 10% of the, they have 8% of the top 100 prospects, Patrick. That's pretty bad. Yeah. It's, pretty, it's pretty badass. Now, pretty Austin badass. Martin is the highest ranked. He is currently with the double A New Hampshire Fisher Cats. And we've mentioned Martin's ranking. I believe he was 15th last like week. 15 or something like that. So yeah. dropped off a little bit, but uh, really not really. Oh, Nate, Nate. Yeah. Nate, Nate was like 12th or something. Yeah. Yeah. He's dropped off probably at some point. Of the injury, but he's still Definitely. Highly, um, highly, highly touted. And he's also dropped up because other guys are just having really good years too. But uh, yeah, 2021 Austin Martin is currently playing with the New Hampshire Fisher Cats in the Northeast League. And he uh, is off to an okay start. Um, If I pull up his batting stats here, I had them open a second ago. Uh, He's only hitting 222, but his on base is 364. He hasn't hit a home run yet, but he's got two doubles and a triple. He's walked four times, struck out 12. Stolen one base, hasn't been caught yet in 36 at-bats. He's also played, uh, that's through 10 games. He's also played six games in center field and four at shortstop. He has not made an error in center field yet, and he has made two in the same game at shortstop. So he's got multiple position versatility. Now, it's tough to make much out of out of 10 games and 36 at-bats, Patrick, but what are your thoughts on on those numbers for him so far in his first, his first pro season? He's never played in the minor leagues it's early it's uh, very Fisher early Cats don't have a great record no but uh, they're a good team they'll come around they will uh same with buffalo they're a great team they have a great record right now um, yeah and i think the sky's the limit for them this year with a lot of their guys who were on the championship team there in uh, new hampshire now graduated yeah uh to triple a or higher uh so it's kind of cool to see the you know the the boys continue to have success I'm I'm interested to see how the the top 100 shakes down around say the halfway point. Mm-hmm. I think what were we given like the seventh or ninth best farm system or something like that. Yeah, top ten, and the and the Fisher Cats were actually ranked the second best minor league team in the country by Baseball America. So I think by the time the draft is done, and in by June. the end of this season, yeah. we're gonna be instead of being there we'll probably be back in the top five it's it's very possible yeah especially deeper especially with those guys getting into the top 100 yeah they're they're only going to get better yep um do we want to talk about boston before we no fuck boston okay (laughs) well it's worth saying at least that we don't have a starter for game one against eduardo rodriguez yeah um but but strips Strips goes Wednesday, and then Matt's, Matt's. goes uh, Thursday in the finale. <laughs> Nick Pavetta is 5-0, and uh, so that's a lofty matchup for Matt's. Uh, how do you see us doing in this Red Sox series? Do you think a series win is like a huge deal? Mm, I would love to win a series against the Red Sox, especially since we've played them once at Fenway already this season. It'd be nice to to get some wins against them. I'm curious. I 
why why is Hanjin Ryu not on the starters list for this series? Wouldn't it be his turn in the rotation? I don't know, my man. Because he pitched this like an hour ago, and that's I was confused as well. I don't understand. He didn't pitch. Yeah, because he pitched back against the Braves. Um, on the it's got to be a, it's got to be a screw up. Twelfth, maybe. Yeah, he pitched on the. I'm looking back. Yeah, Ryu pitched on the twelfth. Yeah, which was a which is a Wednesday. Yeah, so his turn in the rotation should have been today. So you, I would assume Ryu starts tomorrow, but... I like that matchup. I, Rodriguez is a lefty. Yeah. That's not favorable to our lineup, but Ryu looked good against the Sox, didn't he, when he played him? Yeah, Ryu is always good, <laughs> really. Uh, and then gotta back our boy Strips. Uh, yeah, Strips had a great bounce back against the Phils. Hey, he took our advice Braves, and uh, he dropped a bunt. Did you see that? Yeah, he totally did. Yeah, you, <laughs> No, you, he we didn't told, take our advice. We're he not, told us he hated hitting. <laughs> no, he dropped a bunt. It was a good bunt and it let, it, it did kind of cap off what ended up being uh, an explosive inning. Uh, yeah, for, uh, and I mean, boys. after the two runs in the first, he proceeded to throw four great innings and ended up with nine strikeouts over that five-inning start yeah, and got the win. He settled in. He's didn't get the win, but... He's right where we need him to be. Garrett Richards is going to be tough. Yeah. Competition. Uh, another righty. And, and, then, then, and Pavetta's uh, been very good, man. Yeah. Buck and Tabby were actually talking about him because he was a former Philly that they non-tendered in the offseason. And Boston hey, look, picked him up. If we if we can take two or three from Boston. Yeah. Whew, buddy. Always happy Thursday's, with two or three. <laughs> Thursday's episode is going to be white hot. Full yeah. of white hot takes. Plan the yeah, parade. Well, We'll try and do a quick one on Thursday, uh, probably before the Boston game, hey? Or after. I don't know. After is pretty late for you. <laughs> yeah, but it's my Friday. I can do it. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. We could do that. I can do it. We'll, we'll, we'll plan something wait. out. But uh, just to rattle off um, that again, so they're all 7.37 p.m. Eastern time starts in Boston. Tuesday through Thursday, and again, if, if the Jays win all three, I think if they win two to three, that would put us, I think, maybe in the division lead just based on winning percentage, but it's tough to say because Boston has the same amount of losses as us, but three more wins. So uh, interesting series. A sweep puts the Jays in the division lead, but if we can take two to three against the Red Sox, uh, that just is that would pay dividends throughout the whole entire season. The more you can take from your division rivals, the better it is because after that, We've got four against Tampa and then three against the New York Yankees on the road, followed by a trip to Cleveland before the first homestand in Buffalo. Um, so, yeah. Those uh, meows in the background? Yeah. There were two really big meows, and that's because we're going to take two or three from the Red Sox. Freddie, Freddie has predicted it. This is, it is like when TSN used to bring in the monkey to do playoff Maggie predictions. Monkey. I love Maggie the monkey. Frederick the cat has picked two wins against the Red Sox. Anywho, let's wrap it up there. Uh, thanks, Freddie, for those picks. <laughs> for Patrick Marsh out in Halifax, Justin Anderson here in Saskatoon. Follow us on Twitter at BFMD Podcast. Catch the episodes on our website, bfmdpodcast.com. Find us anywhere that you listen to podcasts, including Anchor, Apple, Spotify, Google, and more. We'll see you guys on Thursday after the conclusion of the Boston series. We'll tee up the weekend against the Tampa Bay Rays. Talk then.